many of you have a mother or father that's been faithful to God? Isn't that wonderful to see? I'm so thankful that I had that in my life. And so my mother was a very faithful woman. I'm thankful that, that how she raised me. And she can give up on me. Anybody ever made a mistake? Am I the only one that made a mistake? I want to see somebody raise their hand. Me and Trish, we're the only two that are honest in here, all right? We've made some doozies, haven't we, all right? I've talked to Trish. Me and Trish are very similar. Um, Russ and my wife are very similar. It's funny how opposites attract, amen? And so I want you to turn your Bible to 2 Corinthians. We're going to go to two passages. We're going to stay in 2 Corinthians for two chapters, and we're going to go back to um, Romans for uh, John chapter 3 in just a little bit. But what I want to get into this. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, 9. How many of you like that picture that's up there? Again, me and Trish are the only one that like presents. Okay, all right. You know, if someone walked up to you and gave you a present, Brother Castle, would you like it? Oh, yeah. Even if it was a bad present? Okay, all right. So, you know, sometimes you get good presents, sometimes you get bad presents. My daughters always hate me when they ask me, what do you want for Christmas? And I'll say, I like socks and ties. You say that every year, Dad. But I, I, I like them, you know, so I'm going to ask what I want. So, and, and as we go through this, we're going to look at some gifts that God gave us. And I, I really want you to see this today. I'm, I'm hoping today that you'll see something you've never seen in Scripture before. But it might be something you already know. It's sometimes it's just good to remember what God's done for us. So I want you to turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, and we're going to read three verses. Let's go ahead and stand, and I want to read these to you. Of course, the Apostle Paul writes this, the church of Corinth. It's a second letter to them, and in verse number 7 it says, and we're going to get back to verse number 9, it says, Now I pray to God that ye do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that ye should, be, ye should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak and you're strong. And this also we wish, even your perfection. Denver, could you pray for us? Amen. You may be seated. As you look up here, the part of the verse I want you to see is this. It says, for we are glad. What makes you glad? A lot of things make me glad. But as I read this, it says, when we are weak and you're strong. You're not seeing that across America right now. Everybody wants to be the strong people. They don't ever, that's almost exactly opposite of these people that are rioting and doing these things in, in our country. They want the strength, so they say. But as we look at this, this verse, Paul writes this, one of the best Christians to ever live, I think, and the only reason I, I'm hesitating, because when I ask Jesus, he says, John the Baptist, but Paul has not came on the scene yet. And here he writes this, he says, for we are glad when we are weak and ye are strong. Are you thankful that God's strong? What we want is we want to be seen. Hey, look at me, look at me, look how great I am. I always remember those, if, if you're my age or older, you'll remember the Muhammad Ali era where he was the greatest. So he thought. And as we look at this, we are nothing compared to what God is. We really are nothing. But God loved us, but as, as he writes this, he says, for we are glad when we are, when we are weak and ye are strong. 
It's an interesting statement. It's actually exactly opposite of what you'd hear in the media. We want to be strong. We've got to bring our point across. We've got to say what we want. You know what I think about God's strength? I'm, strength? I'm thankful that He has the power to do everything that He does. I'm thankful that He doesn't go judgment on all of us because of what some people did. Because if you look at what happened with Noah, what happened? All the people were evil. Can you imagine a world like that? Sometimes we think it's bad now, but can you imagine what Noah must have thought? I'm thankful for his power. I'm also thankful for his strength. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. It's nothing that I can do, it's everything that God does. The strength does not come from me, it comes from God. Strength doesn't come from you, it comes from God. We are weak and we should be happy that when we are weak, he is strong. And not only this, he is our protection. I don't want you to raise your hand up on this, but most of you in here have a handgun for protection. Right? Don't raise your hand if you do, because I don't want to know. But, you know, most of us have weapons. You know, if, if someone does something to me, I'm going to just turn my defibrillator on and hold their hand. Amen? They'll know it. You know? Might hurt me, but it's going to hurt them just as bad. Amen? You know, as, as we look at this, we all want protection, don't we? Aren't you thankful for God's protection? I told my wife we went to drop off the hoodlum last week. It's my granddaughter, by the way, if you're visiting. I love her to death, but she's a hoodlum, man. You don't, never know what she's going to do. And she's probably, how much does she weigh? 30 pounds soaking wet. She's five years old. But she hears everything. And I remember we took her over there and we came back. And I said, Ann, let's drive through the mountains. When you drive through the mountains from Statesville to here, you truly realize how God protects you. Because you're riding down a lot of roads that are going one way, one way, and one way the other, and you're driving right beside them, and you don't know if they're, take, if they're paying attention or not. You're praying that they're paying attention. And you're paying attention, and you're not texting, right? You shouldn't be texting in the mountains anyways. It won't go through. Not that I tried it. My wife did, amen? But as I look at this, I think, man, we are so blessed. When I was driving that road, I truly understood, Randy, what it meant to be protected because these cars are going 50 miles an hour my way. I'm going 50 miles their way. If we collided, it would be a bad thing. Thank God for God's protection. You say, well, do you pray for that? Absolutely I do. God protects us all the time. We can't change anything, but God sure can, can He? So I want, to look, I want to look at another portion of Scripture, and this is my main thrust for today, for this, this first part. I want you to go over one chapter over, and we're going to look at this, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, and I want to get it in context so you understand what he's saying. In verse number 10 it says this, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and approaches, in necessities and persecutions and distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So if you put these two together, it says, For we are glad when we are weak, ye are strong. And then it says this, for well, when I am weak, then am I strong? Well, what, what does that mean? Let's look in, in context of this. If you've studied your Bible, what this is talking about is Paul has a, a problem and he's asked God to help him with that problem. It's a, it's a physical as, aspect of it. Let's go jump back to verse number 6. It says, For though, in verse number cha chapter 12, 2 Corinthians, it says, For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be. Or that he heareth of me, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Now we read that and we read it, oh, it's a thorn in the flesh. How many of you ever had a splinter in your finger? 
What happens if you don't get it out? What happens if you get it out? I love it when people come up and you've got a thorn, you've got a splinter in your finger and they whip out a knife. Uh uh. We're whipping out a, we'll put a needle in there. I'll never forget the worst splinter I ever had. I worked at UPS in college. And on the bottom of the UPS trucks, they call them pups. The bottom part opens up and they have flaps and you load it first. And I had one that was stuck and I probably should have done it. I, I got mad it wouldn't, it wouldn't open. So I just grabbed it, grabbed it and yanked up on it. When I did it, um, a splinter went underneath my fingernail. And I don't like even talking about this because it hurts to think about it. That splinter went from this part of my finger to the middle part of my finger. And I was like, oh. And I, I started bleeding, and I, and I don't like things like that. You know, this week I tried to watch what surgery I'm having, and I, and I started watching it, and my wife goes, you shouldn't probably watch that. Uh, no, I'm not going to watch it. So I looked at that splinter, and I was like, man, that really hurts. And it was quite wide. It was a big splinter. It was a piece of wood off the top. And um, so I did probably the worst thing I could do. I was like, okay, okay, I can do this, I can do this. And I, I, I bit down on it and pulled it out. I pulled it out real fast. It came all out. But it went all the way up to my second knuckle. I want to tell you, when it came out, guess what? I was relieved it was out, but it still hurt. I know we have some nurses in here, and that's probably not the thing to do, right? But that's what I did. And I went, and I had to go and wrap my finger, and I went back to work after I got it wrapped real good. But, you know, as I was thinking, I don't like a, something, some foreign object in my body. Do you? How many of you ever had the, uh, had the privilege of having ac acupuncture? Anybody ever done that? Raise your hand if you have. No one's had acupuncture? I've had acupuncture. And I know what not to do with acupuncture. Here's what I did. They put acupuncture on my leg, and I wanted to see, and I was laying on my, on my stomach, and my chiropractor did it, and I wanted to see it. I did the worst thing you could possibly do. They put all these needles in my leg, and I thought, I want to see what that looks like. So what I did is I moved my leg up to look at it. Now, let me tell you something about your body. When you move your muscles, they do a lot of different things. And so now I'm in extreme, extreme pain because the, the acupuncture was not set at the, at the step that I'm in. And then I hear the door open. And I'm thinking that that guy's going to get all over me if he sees what I've done. So I slam my foot back down. Now I'm almost in excruciating pain again. And, and this is not the norm. You know what, why, why acupuncture works? They're putting a foreign thing in your body and your body's saying something's not right. We need to get there and work. When you have a thorn in the flesh, it's nothing that you want. Paul has begged, and we don't really know what exactly it was. I have my thought processes of it. But he said, I have a, had a thorn in the flesh. And he starts talking about it in the scripture. And he says, listen, I prayed over it for three times. I've asked God to take, away, take it away from me three times. I'm begging God to take this away. You know what? We've got, sometimes we get to a point, and that's all we can do is just beg God to fix this. But watch what happens in his, in his state. Keep reading. It says in verse number 8, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of the Christ, Christ may rest upon me. Then we have verse number 11, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, and in reproach, in necessities, and persecutions, and in, in distresses for, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. God was using this in Paul's life to make him a stronger Christian. What makes you a better Christian when everything's going well or when you have troubles and trials? 
tribulations in your life, guess what? I don't want you to raise your hand on this, but if I were to ask you how many of you are worried about what's going on in the United States, I would say the majority of you would raise your hand. Then if I ask a second question, I said this. How many of you pray more now that you see where the United States is and you're praying more for, for government officials, you're praying more for the, the police officers, you're praying... If we were to say, raise your hand on that one, I would dare say most of you people would say, I do believe that it's worse and I need to pray more. Why do you need to pray more? Because it's a worse situation and God has got your attention. When you go through something, God gets your attention. And in this situation, Paul says, listen, get this away from me. And, he, and God doesn't take it away from him. God makes him deal with it and he deals with it. And I don't see Paul's life as a Christian getting weaker because of this. I see it getting stronger. He's the one that says he must increase, I must decrease. He's still going through this when he writes that. So as you study this, understand this when it says this, for when I am weak, then am I made strong. And I want to, I want to tell you something, God will make you stronger through problems. And you say, why are you bringing this all up? Because I want you to see where the hope is. The hope is not in us. <laughs> Sometimes we think the hope is, but it's not. And as we look at this, you know, I was thinking about God. I was like, what does God see and why, why do trials, what do trials do? They make you stronger. They make you thankful for things you can do and you cannot do. You know, with my situation, I have to watch going out when it gets real hot. And bless God, it's July or August and it's hot. You know, I look and I think, is it under 80 degrees? That's not going to happen until March. I'm looking forward to March, or I'm looking forward to um, January. But here, there's, this, there's a verse in the Bible, and I want you to think this. Don't think it all the way through before we get to it. And it's probably the most common verse. If you've ever got a Gideon Bible, Bernard is a Gideon. If you've ever got a Gideon Bible, what verse do they put in the front of the Bible in all different languages? John 3.16. John 3.16, they put that in the front. I always like looking at it, trying to pronounce those words. How many of you have ever done that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you've ever got a Gideon Bible, look in the very front. They'll have John 3.16 in many different languages, normal. They, they used to do that. Do they still do that? All right, and you read through them and you go, oh, that sounds good. That sounds good. You know what you're saying. That way, if you witness to somebody in German, you can remember everything that's on. You're not going to be able to do that. But, you know, can you imagine John 3.16, how powerful it is? You know what John 3.16 is? We're talking about hope. John 3.16 is our hope. As a Christian. That's, that's it. I want to give you three aspects of that, that verse that sometimes you might not think of. The first one is this. We have a giver, we have a gift, and we have a product from that verse. And I want you to see this. As we look at this in John 3.16, turn to John 3.16. If you, if, you if you don't know it, you don't need to turn to it. But in John 3.16, it's a very interesting verse. And don't get ahead of me on this because I want you to see this. If you look at this, we have a giver. Who's the giver in John 3.16? And remember, it's a verse everybody knows. Let's, let's say it together. So, so everybody, everybody can say it. It says, let's say it together. For God so loved... You know, our hope is found in that verse. If the Bible is only that verse, that's all we need. He's our hope. You know, we all wear masks when we go out. I don't, I don't like the mask because you can't see people. You can't see the reaction. You can't see if they're mad at you. You know, if you joke with somebody, are they mad at you? You know, um, 
I have a mask that Priscilla gave me. My wife said I couldn't read it, couldn't wear it, because she said it's not pastoral. But you know what? I'm going to put it on just for an application because I want to wear it. This is the mask that Priscilla gave me. <laughs> and you know what I want to be? I want to be happy. I have a hope. So I got it in anyway, Ann. Oh, no, I'm getting a look. All right, here we go. So we've got to get back and understand that we have a giver. I am so thankful for that giver. Because when we go through trials and tribulations, we can find out just how much of a giver he is. You know, when I was looking at this, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave. That proves that he's a giver. There's two types of people out here. There's givers and receivers. How many of you have someone in your family? Don't raise your hand. And if it's you, you'll say, I don't have one, so you won't be able to answer this question. But how many of you would say, there's somebody in my family that you can give and give and give and it's never enough? I know people like that. But I'm thankful God is the biggest giver you'll ever meet. And as you look at this, I want to show you, point out some things for you. The first thing is God loved you. Aren't you thankful for God's love? It says, for God so loved. You know, when I was thinking about that, there are two types, there's more than two types of love in the Bible, but the two main ones that you'll see, and they're always translated as love, is the, these two words. And the bottom one is the better of the two. Look at those two words up there. There's a phileo and there's an agape. How many of you ever seen the word? You've probably seen agape someplace. I've seen agape Baptist churches. I've seen agape stores. Agape means love that's unconditional. That's the love that Jesus shows to you. That's the love that God shows to you. Phileo is the love more that we understand, and we get it from one of our cities. What is it? Philadelphia. Philadelphia is what? The city of what? Brotherly love. And what that means is, I love you like a brother, a relative, but it's not as deep as agape. So when you're reading your Bible and you see the word love, it, it can mean many different things, but these are the two main ones you'll find in the Scriptures. I think there's three other kinds of love. But the United States or Americans, we love everything, right? Watch, I can say some things, you've heard me say this before. I love my wife. I also love hot dogs. Hamburgers. So make some of you mad. I love Fords. I love my dogs. I love the Lord. And all those are the word love, four letters, but they all mean something different. That we kind of lose it in translation. English language is not as, as, as prolific as, as the uh, Greek word is. In fact, there's a story, and you've heard me say this also, but there's a story and that's, that explains the story of Peter and Jesus. Remember when Peter, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And what does Peter say? You know I love you. Remember that story? And then he does it the second time. Peter, do you love me? And he goes, I know you, I know, you know I love you. And the third time, he says, Peter, do you love me? And he says, you know I love you. And the third time, for some reason, Peter starts crying. Why is that? Because Jesus knows who Peter is. We, if you break it down and you look at the Greek words, here's what Jesus asks Peter. He says, do you love me unconditionally? He's about ready to go to the cross and he wants to know where he stands. He wants Peter to see who he is. Peter says, you know I love you like a brother. Now, there's a big difference between loving unconditionally and loving like a brother. The second time he asked him, do you love me unconditionally? And Peter answers, you know I love you like a brother. 
Now, if you were in this context with him, you would understand how this story is developing. But we read it in the English and we don't see everything. The third time why Peter starts crying is because Jesus reduces the love level on Peter's side. First two times he said, do you love me unconditionally? Second time, both two times Peter said, you know, I love you like a brother. But the third time Jesus goes to his level and says, do you love me like a brother? And then Peter starts crying. He says, you know I love you like a brother. Aren't you thankful that Jesus doesn't just love you like a brother, but he loves you unconditionally? He loves you through your bitterness. He loves you through your problems, your sins, your trials, your tribulations. Aren't you thankful for, for God so loved? Then it says this, he loved the world. He didn't just love you, he loves everybody. And I'm thankful for that. Because there's a lot of people I don't love. You say, you're a preacher, you're supposed to love everybody. I'm a person just like you. Do you love everybody? Now you're supposed to. Anybody in here love everybody? Because I'll come down and I'll illustrate um, turning up the other cheek, amen? But I'm not going to do it, I'm going to have Ray do it, because I want you to love me, amen? We're not all going to love everybody. There are people that irritate me. You ever met somebody that's always late? You don't, that doesn't irritate you? People at Christmas time at Walmart that cut me off when I'm about ready to go in line, they, they don't, I don't love them. You know, God has a way of teaching you to love people. I went to Powell's, and I wasn't paying attention. I was waiting in line. I wasn't blocking Shell gas station. I was waiting in line. All of a sudden, the the guy that was turning across the traffic turned in and cut me off. Uh-uh. Oh, no, you didn't. I take a picture of his license plate. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. But I got a picture of his license plate. And I was fuming. I ordered something. I was fuming and fuming and fuming. And I got so mad at that guy. Get up there, I order my stuff, I go around the other side, and bless God, that guy pays, pays for my lunch. <laughs> so you know what I do? I've got his license plate. I pray for him every day, amen? <laughs> Sometimes we just don't understand what love truly is. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. Aren't you thankful that he's a giver? But what did he give? He gave us a gift, and that gift is his only begotten. Now, the word begotten, when you look at the word begotten, it's not a word that you use a lot. It comes from the derivative beget. Still, we don't use that much. Just to show you what begotten means, it's single of its kind. There's not another one. Not another one. So you could sit there and say, is there something that you have that there's not another one of? Maybe someone made you something that's, that's, that's one, one of a kind and it's a piece of furniture and they gave it to you. And it'd be like you giving that to them knowing that you'll never get it again. And that's what Jesus, Jesus was. He was the gift. It was only one of them. There's many people in here I love. And I'm thankful that you're here this morning but I wouldn't give my child for you. If Megan walked in here or Meredith walked in here, 
they would be my single focus on that. Because they're my daughters. If the hoodlum come running down the, down the aisle, she's my granddaughter. I surely would not sacrifice their life for yours. And that shows how much the giver really is. Because the gift was his son. Then there's some aspect in here as we go through this. There's a wonderful product from the giver and the gift. And I'm going I'm to share some things with you, and you're probably going to go, that just doesn't make any sense, but I want you to see this. What does God give you with this son? Well, the Bible says that he gives you possessions. He will, he will, he will take care of your needs. And I saw a lot of your cars today, and they're nice cars, right? And I saw your clothes that you're, I see your clothes you're wearing, they're nice clothes. And Jesus promises to feed you, amen? How many of you think that you have some good possessions? Man, I, I love some of my possessions. I go home today, there's going to be, my dogs love me no matter what. If I have a bad message, they don't know. And I'll go home and right now I've got five golden retrievers and a poodle that will love me no matter what. I've got three pregnant females. They love me. Hey, come here, rub my belly. I don't say that to them. They say that to me. All right. Anyway, and, and so whenever I, I, I want to clarify that. So anyway, um, I lost my train of thought. All right. Anyway, but we have possessions and it's a wonderful product and God takes care of us. But that's not why Jesus came to this earth. What about this? Fame. A lot of people want their name written in lights. I've been bragging on David Ellison because he has came here and done things and he's, he's just new to our church. He's done a lot of work for us. And every time I say his name and brag on him, I can see that he kind of like tenses up. He's not done it for glory. He's not told me to say anything about it. But aren't you thankful that God didn't come on this earth and give His only Son that we could be, have our name written in lights? Look at the third one. God did not bring His Son down on this earth for guidance for us. That was not His main, main core. Now, does He guide us? Absolutely He does. His Word guides us. Um, the stories that He gives us, his, the prayer life that we have with Him, He brings us guidance. But that's not the main core of why He came to this earth. And isn't it great to have God's guidance? Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Aren't you thankful for that? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God, against thee. And that, those are guidance. I remember the verses. Now this will tell you if you're visiting with me, this will tell you what my mom thought of me when I was growing up. She made me learn a couple verses. The first one is, do all things without murmurings and disputings. Wow. Those are guidance, but that's not the reason Jesus came to this earth. That's not the reason He was a gift that was sacrificed for us. What about this? Hope. Oh sure, Jesus gives us hope. God gives us hope. And we're talking about hope. But that was not the reason that He came to this earth. What about miracles? He did many miracles. Go back to fame. Jesus Himself, when He did miracles, how many times have you read in the Scriptures when Jesus did something, He would look at those people and say, don't tell anybody what I did. If it was you or I, publish it on New York's bestsellers of what great greatness we are. Wouldn't we do that? Wouldn't some people do that? Jesus didn't do that. All these five things are great. 
And we get most of them for him, from him. But the reason John 3.16 was written in that Bible, in the Bible, there was a giver, that was God. There was a gift, that was his son. And I want you to see the greatest product. Let's read it one more time. John 3.16 says this, say it out loud with me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that that's the purpose. That was the main product. And that's a wonderful product. I don't know everything that I need to know about God, but I am so thankful that He gives me eternal life. When you go through things, sometimes your hope is thrown out. God wants to make you weak so you can be strong in Him. And the hope that we have is no matter what happens, eternal life is there. Because see, sometimes we feel like our hope is dashed because of a circumstance. But there's never been a time in my life that I've thought my eternal life was dashed. Even through a circumstance. My Bible says that Jesus will never leave me nor forsake me. He will not pluck, it cannot be plucked out of His hand. So folks, listen to me. We're going through some, some tragedies in America right now. Pray over America. But understand this. No matter what happens in America, we still have eternal life. I've heard preachers say, you can't threaten me with heaven. You can't. One day we're all going to spend eternity in heaven if you are a Christian and you believe, you understand what salvation really is. But my Bible says, for God so loved the world. He loved you and me. And He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. When we go through turmoil, we go through trials, we go through tribulations, understand this, and we all have them, we just don't show them. I can tell, talk more about mine because I'm up in front of you. But you have them too. I mean, when I ask Shasta when her baby's born, when, when she wants a baby, it's tomorrow. I understand that. But my wife understands it even more. When you have things that happen in your life, don't lose your hope in eternal security. Don't lose your hope in everlasting life. Something were to happen to me this week. Hello, Jesus. I want to tell you something. When you get to heaven, be well worth the struggles that we have here. Don't lose your hope when you have eternal life. These five things are great. Possessions, guidance, fame not so much, but hope and miracles. God still does miracles today. I'll end it with this. When my wife went through her surgery, if you know what a CA-125 is, anybody know what a CA-125 is? CA-125, they say if you have 35, it's bad. 65 is terrible, especially if you have a growth. When 12, 13 years ago, she went in and the doctor took the test and, and it came back and the doctors were crying, the nurses were crying before they came in. and they, um, our One doctor said, there's nothing I can do. You need to go to a different team because I can't, I can't handle this. And we said, what is it? And she said, well, we just did a, we did a CA-125, and it's 644. 
off the charts. Did another one a week later. At the, we, they sent us to a new doctor. They sent, and the doctor said, they took another one. And he said it was 722. It was growing. Just a week it went up almost 100 points. Remember, 35 is bad. They did the test. They did the, the surgery. They removed some, some um, tumors that she had. She had endometriosis. They took all that out. Then we were going back to figure out when we had to have chemo and radiation for. They did another CA-125. The doctor that was not a Christian did the next CA-125 because he wanted to know what was going on with it, knowing, knowing if they got everything. They took the test, and she had a zero. I want to tell you something. That was a miracle. She never had to have chemo. She never had to have radiation through the whole thing. Why I say that is it's the different perspective of the two doctors. The first one that was crying was a Christian. When we told him what happened, he said, that's a miracle. But then you get the world's perspective on it. The guy that wasn't a Christian that did their surgery said, they must have read it wrong. They read three tests that were wrong that were growing as it goes. We didn't go out there and think he must have been right. You know what I want? I want to tell you something. I understood the doctor that was a Christian understood it wholeheartedly that God had performed a miracle. God still does miracles even when we have no hope. And we see that with Daniel and his little baby boy. And Kelly with her little baby, baby boy. He is a God of miracle working, but the main thing that he was here for was that everlasting life. Lord, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the hope that you give us in Christ. Lord, you've done so many wonderful things in our lives. We are struggling sometimes to understand why this is happening, what's going on, why did, why did we lose this? Why do we get this? Why, why are we having financial burdens? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? And we fail to realize that you're trying to teach us along the way. Thank you for Paul when he says, for when I am weak, I am made strong. God sure does, you sure do love us, God. Thank you for making us strong through our problems. Now if there's someone in here that doesn't know you as personal Savior, may they get that settled today. Don't walk out of here with no hope because if we're trusting in ourselves, we can't have salvation. The Bible says that God gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. May, they, may no one walk out today and have that feeling that they don't know what's going to happen then. Thank you for your love. And thank you for your care. In Jesus' name we pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you could stand for us, no one looking around. We're almost done. But I want you to, no one looking around, I want to ask you a couple questions. Has there ever been a time in your life where you understand this eternal life? It's nothing that you've done, it's everything God's done. It's everything Christ did. If we were in the Old Testament, we'd have an altar up here and we'd have to sacrifice animals for, for us. But Jesus came to this earth, died on a cross, rose again for us, so that we don't have to do that anymore. The Bible says the, the veil was rent from the top to the bottom. And the Holy of Holies was opened up and we can talk to Him. We no longer have to go through that high priest. We have a high priest, that's Jesus. And he walks with us and he talks with us. Has there ever been a time in your life when no one looking around, so I can pray, has there ever been a time in your life where you've accepted Christ in your heart? Would you raise your hand all over the auditorium? I appreciate you being honest. Some of you did not raise your hand. Get it settled. I'm telling you right now, I watch the news and there's no hope with what they're doing. But there sure is hope through Christ. The invitation is different. You can either pray at your seat or if you want to come to this old-fashioned altar. 
prayer is this. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, come see me. Come see my wife. I'll sit down and show you what the Bible says about salvation. It's nothing that I'm saying. It's everything the Bible says. But there's a second part of this. How many of you, would no one looking around, would say, sometimes all I do is spend most of my time thinking of how to get out of a problem? Anybody ever done that? Raise your hand. All over the auditorium. You know what God wants you to do? He wants you to learn through your problems. I wish I didn't have this thing strapped to my back. But I might as well enjoy the time that God's bringing me closer to Him because of it. What about you? Are you willing to just say, Lord, I just want to give everything over to you. When I go through a problem, let me learn what I need to learn and get through it and strengthen my relationship with you. Because that's what God is doing. How many of you believe that God puts you through things to make you stronger? Absolutely. And we spend all of our time fighting it. Don't fight it. Give it over. As he starts playing in just a second, I want you to pray over two things. Number one, pray for people that are lost. And if you're lost, come see me. Secondly, if, if you could just think this through and say, listen, Lord, I spent all my time wondering how am I going to get through this problem? How am I going to get through this problem? And never give it over to you. And I worry about it and worry about it and worry about it. And the whole time you're just trying to teach me to draw close to you. For when I am weak, I am made strong. Lord, I thank you for these people. Thank you for their honesty. Lord, let them have a good day today, but let them understand if they don't know you as personal Savior, get that settled today. And there's many people in here that raised their hand and said, Lord, I, I, I sometimes worry and worry and worry and I don't turn it over to you and I spend most of my time just doing that when I could just say, Lord, whatever you want me to learn, let me learn it. Whatever you want to teach me, let me be taught. And just give, give some situations over to you. There's people in here that are carrying big burdens they don't need to carry. Many people are going through surgeries and, and some people are having health ailments. Some, there's ladies that are pregnant in here that are going to go through all this situation. Lord, just be with them. But let us get back to the understanding we need to pray for each other. We pray for ourselves. Have the right attitude. Find out where our hope is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With